So how does the healthcare sector stack up with other industries when it comes to cybersecurity? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Michael Kaiser, Executive Director of the National Cybersecurity Alliance, a nonprofit public-private partnership promoting the safe and secure use of the Internet and digital privacy. Michael will be discussing some of the biggest privacy and security challenges that he sees facing the healthcare sector and how that industry compares with other sectors. Michael, based on what you see in the healthcare sector when it comes to cybersecurity, what are the most disturbing trends? Well, I think what we've seen in the last year especially is that the bad guys, and those could be anything from cyber criminals to nation states, especially in the case of healthcare, are seeing healthcare data as really being a target-rich environment. And uh, so we're seeing more and more attacks on across the whole healthcare ecosystem. And that's a disturbing trend because the information that healthcare uh, organizations have is often the most personal information that we as individuals have. Compared to other industries, how does the healthcare sector stack up in terms of its maturity in dealing with these evolving cyber threats we've been seeing? Where does the sector seem to fall short? Yeah, so in some ways I see the healthcare sector like I see a lot of other sectors, right, where you have the healthcare sector is not monolithic. You have very large companies in the healthcare sector down to individual doctor's offices and perhaps even and other kinds of small and medium-sized enterprises all along the way. And I think in that, just like other sectors, I think the larger the organization, probably the higher their awareness is of cybersecurity and maybe the more they're investing in doing that. And as you move down, there's less and less awareness, both about what they should be doing to protect their vital assets, but also maybe even understanding why it's so important to start out with that they actually do things to protect their organizations. So I think that's that's kind of, I, I believe healthcare looks very similar to other sectors in that way. But I'd also add on the positive side that healthcare um, obviously has a long history of dealing with personal information and certainly on the privacy side, a lot of emphasis on that. So there is some built-in sort of DNA in the healthcare industry around the protection of personal information. There just may not be as much going on as cybersecurity as there should. Now, 2015 was a record year for cyber attacks on the healthcare sector, but it seems that the healthcare insurers appear to be the biggest target for cyber attacks. Why do you think that's the case, and do you think that trend will continue this year? So to answer the second part first, I think absolutely the trend will continue this year, um, and it's partially it has to do with why they're being attacked. So when we look at some of the big healthcare attacks in 2015, I think they fall into a couple different buckets. There were certainly some attacks that may have just been around the more traditional cyber crime. For example, trying to get access to social security, home address, maybe credit card information, right? The kinds of data that cyber criminals will use in identity theft, right? Or to monetize someone's name, you know, in credit card theft or, or other kinds of things. And I think that there's no question that activity in that realm of cybercrime is not abating uh, and it's just going to get more severe as time goes on. I think the other kind of information, which is a little, frankly, a little more scary, when you look at the kinds of attacks that happen to some of the big insurers, we know that some of those attacks were probably initiated by nation states, right? And, in fact, I've heard in some cases some of that data has not even appeared on the black market, which is where kind of credit card and other personal information gets sold. But 
the information that insurers have is really deep about people. And I'm not an intelligence expert, so it's hard for me to say why exactly these nation states want it. But you can see, like, and I think OPM hack, which is related to some of the healthcare tax, were really efforts to build databases about people who work in different places in America. Do they work for the federal government? Do they work for a federal federal contractor? Might they have be someone who has access to information that could be, you know, espionage, a rich target. So it looks like people building information about American citizens and perhaps, unfortunately, maybe in some of the healthcare data, maybe some vulnerabilities that could be used to approach people, but I haven't heard that happening yet. But you could think about that as cases where people understand enough about people's personal lives to kind of talk to them in a way or recruit them in a way. But I think a lot of it is just building databases of who works for who, especially inside the federal government. With that said, what are the biggest lessons that you think the healthcare provider organizations and their patients should learn from all these cyber attacks that we faced last year? Well, I think at the end of the day, there should be, whether it's an open conversation or at least a lot of transparency between the healthcare providers and the patients around what's being done to protect their personal information. I think we see increasingly Americans being concerned about how their personal information is being used. And I think they know that their healthcare providers have a lot of information about them. And I think this is a different kind of relationship than some other sectors. Obviously, if you have a company that's taking your home address and using that to sell you advertising, that's one thing. But healthcare providers are using this information to make your life better, right? They really are. There's a tremendous amount of benefit between the exchange of information between a patient and a healthcare provider, and we don't want to see that interrupted at all. In fact, I think probably we want to see that increase in many ways, right? So making sure that your patients or, you know, your customers, depending on what your, you know, position is in the space, understand what you're collecting about them, how you're using it, and then what are the steps that you're taking to protect it? I think it's a really great conversation to have either verbally or on a website or on a form in your doctor's office that tells you how this information is being protected and how important protecting that information to you is as a business. I think those are the kinds of signals that people are looking for. Now, we talked about cyber attacks from the outside, but what should healthcare organizations be doing better to protect their patients against cyber crimes, including ID theft, that involves malicious insiders and employees? At the core of this one, this one particular area, it's about who has access to what data, right? And it's really understanding what positions within the organization require access to what data in order to do their job and limiting their ability to access only that data. Where I think organizations get in trouble is where there's a malicious actor who all of a sudden has access to a whole bunch of information that wasn't really required for their job. And then they were able to steal that information or you know, conduct some other kind of malicious attack in some way, shape, or another. And so I think that's really important. This data segregation and this management of per- permission and access is really critical about involving malicious insiders. The other part is open communication within the organization for employees to feel secure and confident that it's okay to report when they see something go wrong or they think something's going wrong in terms of the protection of people's personal information. So now we've talked a little bit about some of the large insurers that have been targeted by cyber attackers last year, but the healthcare sector, as we know, is made up of tens of thousands of smaller physician offices and clinics. Being that the health insurers were still caught perhaps off guard in some cases with these cyber attacks, what do you think these smaller 
doctor offices and clinics should be doing to improve the protection of patient data, especially since their resources may not be as deep? What mistakes do you see them making? I think the most common mistake is that they're too small to be attacked. And I think that small operations in in this space need to understand two things. One, they have incredibly valuable information, even if they don't think they have it, about a lot of people. They still have it. And two, that it's possible that they could be used as a gateway to other organizations. So if I can steal the credentials, say the email credentials, of a doctor in a practice, and then I can use those credentials to access her, his or her email, and then I can create an email that could be sent to a larger organization, and because it comes from what looks like a legitimate doctor, they're using their name to start a phishing attack on a larger organization to hack into the larger organization, right? That's something that many practices may not be aware of. But in terms of what they should be doing, it really, we don't want people to be overwhelmed about this space. And I think part of what's happened is that people see about all these attacks, they read about all these attacks, they think, oh, my gosh, how could I ever defend against all this stuff? And that can lead to, like, paralysis. What we want people to start thinking about, it's really critical, and this comes from something the U.S. federal government uh, developed called the NIST Cybersecurity Framework. It's really a simple kind of five-step approach to cybersecurity within their organization. The first and most important piece being identifying what is the most important information, the most vital assets that you have that are online that need to be protected, and building your protections around those core assets or information. So if it's your patient data, it's making sure you know where that patient data resides. What computer does it sit on? Is it only on that computer? What are you doing to protect that computer? What are you doing to limit access to that computer, right? Does that computer have all the software updated? And then building out from there to your other elements of your practice that may have vital information as well. So you start with the core access. You start with identifying those assets. You identify the way you protect them. You have a way to detect or understand if something were to happen with that system. Would you know if it was compromised? Sometimes it's obvious. You may get ransomware on your computer, and that would be pretty obvious that you've had an incident. Sometimes it may be less so, that you have an idea about how you would respond. What would you do if you didn't have access to that computer for three days because it had ransomware on it? Or what would you do if you thought some of your patient data was lost? So how would you respond, and then how would you recover and make yourself whole again? What would you have to do? In, in some cases, you might let them use the ransomware as an example. Let's say you had done a good backup and you had all that information backed up in the cloud or on another device, and you might just throw out that computer and buy a new one and restore all your patient data and be up and running again. So it's really those thinking through the process a little bit around the core vital information that's critical to your practice. And finally, Michael, what about the Internet of Things and wearable health devices? Do you think that consumers fully understand the potential cybersecurity risks that these devices pose? And what should the makers of these products be doing to improve the security of their products? In all honesty, I don't think anybody has fully thought through the risks of wearable health devices, and consumers don't understand the risks of these devices yet. I think there's been a lot of discussions of the benefits, and let me just say that we think at the end of the day, cybersecurity is what allows you to have all those benefits, right? A safe, secure, and trusted connected medical device 
is going to give you a lot of ability to do things that we haven't been able to do before uh, in this sector. So we're all for it, but it has to be done correctly. So I don't think people fully understand how they work, the kinds of information that they collect, where that information is being stored, what the security of that information is, both when it resides on the device or when it sits in the cloud or when it moves between the device and the cloud. Those are all really critical elements of this. Furthermore, they may not always understand how that information being collected about them is being used and or how to keep those devices up to date. One thing we don't know about IoT yet at this point is we're so used to this world in computers where, oh, you know, software company puts out a patch and we upgrade our computer. Are we going to have to be upgrading these medical devices? And how will that be done, right? I mean, is that something the consumer will do? Will they have to go to the doctor's office? Will they have to go get something from the manufacturer in order to do that? So we have a lot of unknowns about securing these devices. And my advice to people is really to ask questions, do research around whether these devices have ever been hacked in the past. Thanks, Michael. I've been speaking to Michael Kaiser. I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.